Hi, I'm Samantha. Hi, I'm Sarah. And, and we, we are, are the, the Doom, Doom Crew. Damn you! Hey nerds, happy February. In celebration and truly in honor of the second most romantic holiday in the U.S., obviously the most romantic holiday is... Is Halloween? Steak and a blowjob day. That's a day? Girlfriend. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is celebrated on March 14th, one month after Valentine's Day. As I was saying, <laughs> in honor of Valentine's Day, Sarah and I will be covering... Couples who kill all month long. Get ready. This is volume one. Dum, dum, dum. All right. Trigger warning for my story. Animal death, attempted rape, grooming slash relationship with a minor, death of a child. Charles Starkweather was unfortunately born on November 24th, 1930. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. 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 Unfortunately, <laughs> I meant it. I wasn't expecting this. Okay, here's where we're at. I know. With this I story. told you when I was writing my script, I was like, I feel like I'm really writing in my voice. Charles Starkweather was unfortunately born on November 24th, 1938, to Guy and Helen Starkweather. He was the third of seven children. Gross. Very. He was born with Genu Verum. It's a mild birth defect, and it makes your legs kind of, like, especially bowed at the knees, so they're a oh. bit misshapen. Um, you can, like, grow out of it. Um, however, he was teased by his classmates um, for that, and also the fact that he had a speech impediment. So not great. As he aged, he did grow to be much stronger, and uh, he did his best schoolwork in gym class. Oh, okay. Yes. He worked through a lot of rage in gym class. Oh. Charles idolized James Dean and identified with the actor's rebellious outsider image. As such, he began bullying the kids that bullied him as a child. And uh, he had gone from a well-behaved teen to one of the most troubled in town. Shocker. Right? I'm astonished. Right. An old high school friend named Bob Von Bush said of Charles, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, better looking than he was, or better dressed... He tried to take the poor bastard down to his size. Ugh, he has Napoleon syndrome. Basically. So, Charles he met had... Carol Ann Fugate in 1956 during his senior year of high school. Okay. They met through Carol's sister, Barbara, who was dating Bob Von Bush, Charles' oh. friend. Okay. So, it was his friend's girlfriend's sister. So, um, Charles was 18 years old, and Carol was 13 years old. That's not okay. Not at all. That's a child. That is absolutely a child. Um, Charles dropped out of high school. I mean, it was his senior year, remember. But he dropped out of high school and took a job at a newspaper warehouse that was near Carol's school. And then he began to visit her every day after school. Ew. Yeah. It was said that by the time he dropped out, uh, most of his friends and his parents were already afraid of him based on his rage outbursts. Fun. Fun. Yeah. Let's date a child then. Yeah. So Charles and Carol had um, a typical teenage relationship. Um, Charles taught Carol how to drive. <laughs> okay. That's you, typical. Using his father's car. But uh, I mean. Which she wrecked. Well, checks out. Yeah, I said, because uh, of course she fucking did. She yeah. was 13 or 14 at this time. How was that going to go well? Like, 16-year-olds can't even drive well. No, but you learn at 14. In Iowa only, basically. Oh, Not really? in Illinois. I didn't know that. No, 15. 
well, 15. a whole year older. Well, she's still a baby. She's 13, so none of this yeah, is okay. Yeah, 13 to 14. Yeah, none of it's okay. However, of course she wrecked his dad's yeah, car. She's out. a fucking baby. So next is going to get to the bad part. So I'm just going to kind of give away the spoiler because within the first little incident, it's going to get pretty clear what's going to happen. Um, Charles and Carol went on a two-month killing spree in the late 1950s. Oh, my God. Charles was 19 and Carol was 14 when this all happened. That's... Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I know. It's so bad. So she's a victim, too. Got you. Yes. The first murder was on December 1st, 1957. Charles killed a gas station attendant who previously wouldn't allow Charles to buy a stuffed animal for Carol on credit. Why? Why? Well, I don't know why he couldn't use verbal credit at a gas station for a stuffed animal, but he really wanted it for Carol. Oh, yeah, that's why we kill people. Got you. So, Charles went to the gas station several times the night before, so on November 30th. He went several times to purchase small items, just little things here and there, a pack of gum, whatever, but went in several times until his final trip in. He he brought a shotgun with him, and uh, he forced the attendant, Robert Colvert, to give him $100 from the register. He then forced Colvert into his vehicle and drove him out to, like, a sparsely populated area. I would probably call it the country because this is nebraska um but he first injured but ultimately killed robert with several shots jesus christ for a fucking stuffed animal yes for his child girlfriend yes child bride okay Mm -hmm. um luckily these two never marry thankfully she doesn't become a child bride but you know I don't know if this is better. It's bad. It's real, real bad. It's bad, bad, real bad. Real bad. Okay. Yeah. Velda and Marion Bartlett were Carol Ann's mother and stepfather, and they were not fans of Charles. Weird. Shocker. Yeah. This was pretty bad news for Charles, so he thought of a solution. What do you think it is? Oh my God, he killed his in-laws that aren't really his in-laws, his girlfriend's parents. Yes. Also, this is where I said, if you don't say... He's going to kill them. You're fired. So you passed. You get to stay on. Okay, thanks. I mean, we wouldn't have this without you, so. (laughs) Just kidding. But let's get on to the really horrible shit. The first uh, victim was on December 1st of 1957. On January 21st, 1958, Charles shot Carol's stepfather and mother after an argument. He then hit and strangled to death her two-and-a-half-year-old baby sister, Betty Jean. How the fuck do you leave with this man? She's a child. Never mind. So he then um, hid the bodies in outbuildings on their property. Later, Carol would claim that when she came home that day, Charles was already in the house. Charles maintains that they were there together the entire time so that like, she knew what was going on. She says she was not there and did not know that her family was dead. Carol claimed that Charles met her at the door with a gun and said that he was holding her family hostage and as long as she cooperated, they would live. This is all very sad. Your story sucks. Go ahead. It is horrible. It's horrible. Unfortunately, he was born. Exactly. I meant it. Regardless, the couple stayed at the home for several days before they left. Oh, my God. On January 27th, Carol's grandmother, who had been unable to reach anyone at the home for days, called in a wellness check to the police. Before the police could get to the house for the wellness check, because the grandmother had actually stopped by and no one would let her in, so they knew that, like, something was up. Before the police could get there, they fled. They left in Charles's car. They drove to August Myers Farmhouse in Bennett, Nebraska. The Myers were family friends of the Fugates, so Carol's family. Charles shot August in the head with a shotgun. Charles also killed August's dog. Uh, the couple immediately left the scene. 
they were obviously stellar drivers because they drove their car into the mud and left it there. Oh my God. They stayed by their car and um, someone quickly stopped to help them. Um, Robert Jensen and Carol King, two local teenagers, stopped to give Charles and Carol a ride. Charles had no fucking chill and forced them at gunpoint to drive back to an abandoned storm cellar in Bennett, Nebraska. The fuck? There, he shot Robert Jensen in the back of the head. He attempted to rape Carol King, but was unable to do so. He shot and killed her as well. Charles later confessed to the killing of Robert, but said that his girlfriend Carol shot Carol King. Girlfriend Carol claims she never left the car. Charles and Carol fled this scene as well and drove to a wealthy area of Lincoln, Nebraska. The couple entered the home of Clara and C. Lauer Ward. Lauer was a well-known wealthy industrialist in the area. To me, industrialist means businessman, question mark. So Charles when he first got into this home, encountered their maid. Her name was Ludmila Lillian Fensel, and he unfortunately stabbed her to death. He then laid in wait for the homeowners to return. He also killed their dog so that it wouldn't alert them when they got home that there was someone there. Okay, all dogs are going to greet their owners, idiot. You just wanted to kill a dog, sick fuck. Yeah. Um... Clara came home first, and she was alone, and Charles stabbed her to death as well. Later in the evening, Lauer Ward returned, and Charles shot and killed him. Charles admitted that he did throw a knife at Clara, but insisted that Carol had stabbed Clara several times, and so it was Carol who had really killed her. Charles and Carol put as much jewelry as they could from the wards into Ward's black 1956 Packard and left Nebraska. These murders caused a major stir in Lancaster County, Nebraska. Local law enforcement sent officers door-to-door looking for those responsible. The governor contacted the the Nebraska National Guard and the Lincoln Chief of Police called for a block-by-block search of the entire city. Hot damn. Yeah. Several sightings of the couple were reported, and the Lincoln Police Department received backlash and was accused of being what the French call les incompetents. They were unable to capture the pair. So we're out here quoting Home Alone? Absolutely. (laughs) Any chance I get. It was now January 29th. The pair were in an identifiable vehicle, and they needed to fix that. On the run and headed west, they encountered a vehicle on the side of the road. Inside, Merle Collison, a traveling shoe salesman, was sleeping outside of Douglas, Wyoming. When Merle awoke, he was fatally shot. Mm. Charles later claimed that Carol performed a coup de gras after his own shotgun jammed. He claimed that she was the quote-unquote the most trigger-happy person he'd ever met. Carol maintained that she never killed anyone. Merle's car was very fancy and included something called a parking brake. Oh. This was brand new technology for Charles. Uh, He tried to drive away, but as he hadn't released the parking brake, it stalled out. Uh, He was trying to restart the car when a passing motorist made a bad decision and pulled over to help. Just drive past people. Just drive past. From this moment forward, just drive past. Yes. This well-intentioned man was geologist Joe Sprinkle. Oh my god, that's an amazing name. Isn't it just? Charles didn't want any help because he was a big boy and could do it himself. (laughs) He was was such a grown-up. I wipe my own ass. (laughs) So he threatened Joe Sprinkle with a rifle. Oh, okay. Shit went down. Wikipedia called this an altercation, but that's stuffy language. Shit went down. (laughs) During the altercation, Natrona County Sheriff's Deputy William Romeo was passing by and pulled over as well. Carol ran to the officer's car, reportedly saying, It's stark weather. He's going to kill me. I 
kind of believe it. Yeah. Charles drove off. That's right. He left her. And a high-speed car chase ensued. Vehicles exceeded 100 miles an hour. Back then? Yes. That's like flying. Yes. They're in jet planes. <laughs> that is like a jet plane, Sarah. <laughs> Sheriff Earl Heflin shot at the vehicle. Oh. One of his bullets went through the windshield and flying glass from this cut Charles deeply enough that he was bleeding pretty badly. He stopped and surrendered near Douglas, Wyoming on January 29, 1958. Sheriff Heflin stated that Charles only stopped because he thought he was bleeding to death. He said that he found this to be a very cowardly action, which it was. But we caught him, and that's important because this man clearly had no issues killing people. So who's saying how this would have ended up if he hadn't been caught at this point? Oh no, he would have killed more. Like, he has killed 11 people at this point. 11. In, in how many weeks? Do you know? So December 1st was the first killing, and this is January 29th. So like, yes, there was one killing at the beginning of December, but truly from January 21st to the 29th, he killed 10 people, including his girlfriend's mother, stepfather, and baby sister. And she apparently did not know this. Like, she didn't know they were dead. Okay. They stayed in the home for many days. Yeah. And he said that they were being held hostage. Where? Yeah. I don't... I don't know if she was... You know, we don't know if she was kept in a room. Like, or with she, guns. Or, if she, like, if she was truly too scared. Or if she did know. We have no idea. And she was a child, so... Yeah. And they're... So there are zero accounts of Carol being like a mischievous child, a, a devious, any, nothing. There's no reports of Carol being anything except a young teenage girl. Nothing out of the ordinary behavior wise that I was able to find. Not saying it's not possible, just saying I did not find that. Charles initially claimed that Carol had nothing to do with the murders and that she was merely along for the ride. He ended up changing his story several times, and at trial, he testified against her, saying she was an equally willing participant. Why? Carol has always maintained that she was being held hostage against threat of harm to her family. She said she didn't know they were actually dead when they were caught. Judge Harry A. Spencer didn't believe she was a hostage because he thought she had plenty of chances to escape. She's a child, you scum. Correct. Sorry. No, you're good. I get it. Like, do I fully believe her? I don't know. Do I believe that she's a child? Yes. Yes, I do. Charles was convicted for the murder of Robert Jensen, the teenager who had stopped on the highway with his girlfriend. This was the only murder for which he was tried. He was sent to Nebraska State Penitentiary and sentenced to death on May 23rd, 1958. Soon after he first arrived at the prison, he said that he believed he was supposed to die. He said if he was going to die, that Carol should too. Fuck off. He was scheduled for the electric chair at midnight on June 24th, 1959. A half an hour before his execution, the doctor who was supposed to pronounce him dead, B.A. Finkel, himself died of a heart attack. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Charles Starkweather was pronounced dead at 12.04 a.m. on June 25th, 1959. He had no final words, but he did leave a letter for his parents. To his father, he wrote, But Dad, I'm not real sorry for what I did, because for the first time, me and Carol had more fun. Oh. Remember, his best school class was gym. <laughs> Obviously. He was reportedly indifferent about his death and had become resigned to his fate. Carol was convicted as an accomplice and received a life sentence on November 21st, 1958. She was and is the youngest woman in the United States history to have been tried and convicted of first degree murder. She was 14 at this time? Yes. <laughs> okay. She was sent to the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women in York, Nebraska. In 1973, 
the Nebraska Board of Pardons commuted her sentence to 30 to 50 years, making her eligible for parole. She was a model prisoner, and Carol was paroled after 17 and a half years in 1976. She moved and settled in Michigan. Carol married Frederick Clare in 2007, and since then always goes by Carol Clare. Frederick was a machinist who also worked with the National Weather Service as a weather observer. The couple was involved in a serious car wreck on August 5, 2013. Frederick was driving the couple in their SUV when it went off the road and flipped. Frederick died at the scene. Carol survived with serious injuries. Carol requested a pardon from the Nebraska Board of Pardons, and the application was supported by relatives of the murder victims. She maintains her innocence and wanted to clear her name and alleviate the burden of being known as a convicted killer. In February of 2020, the board denied her pardon for being too broad. In total, the couple had 11 murder victims. Carol Fugate is a victim of Charles Starkweather as well. She was a young teenager who was influenced by a whole-ass adult to be involved in horrific acts. Their quote-unquote relationship itself was a crime, and she should never have had to endure the things she did. I wanted to point out a couple references um, of these crimes in pop culture. There are many, many, many. But some notable ones I found. Stephen King said that he was strongly influenced by reading about these murders when he was young and kept a scrapbook of articles about them. Well, he's always been a little off. Well, yeah, it's Stephen King. Phenomenal author. A little weird. Yeah. There's a metalcore band out of Philly called Starkweather. The following films are all based on this case. The Sadist from 1963. Badlands from 1973. California with a K. 1993. Natural Born Killers from 1994. And Starkweather from 2004. Liza Ward, granddaughter of Lauer and Clara Ward, wrote the novel Outside Valentine in 2004 based on the events of these murders. I kind of want to read that book now. So yeah, that is my story about Charles Starkweather and Carol Fugate. That was a roller coaster. Yeah. That was sad. That was bad. She's a baby. I know. It is so horrible that, like... fuck that judge. Dude, seriously. You have many times to escape. When? When? Yeah. What? She's a child. Yeah, like, he's holding her there with a gun. And she's a child. Yeah. They're stupid. Okay. Are you ready for my case? Yes, yes. I'm so ready for this case. Sorry. Calm down. Dennis Scooter Abrahamson was born on December 18th, 1968 in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, There's no information really about his childhood, how he grew up, nothing. Um, What I can tell you is, as an adult, um, Scooter wasn't always on the right side of the law. He was close to his family. He had some aunt and cousins that he wanted to be near, so he moved from New Jersey to Florida. His friends called him loyal and down for anything. Scooter was an entrepreneur. When he moved to Florida, he opened his own tattoo shop called Embellishing Tattoo and Body Piercing Studio. As a side business, many have said that he was a repo agent, but based on research and state business records, it shows that his application for becoming a recovery agent was denied. Oh, okay. So he wasn't actually a repo. Thoughts are that he was denied due to his criminal history, and his convictions included disorderly conduct, scheming to defraud, Grand theft of a motor vehicle and battery. Just some real light stuff. Little things. (laughs) Scooter went to jail in 2007 for violating an injunction to stay away from a woman and her three children after he had pulled a gun on them. They were his neighbors and due to a disturbance he pulled out a gun. He was told he had to stay away. He did not. What the fuck? He was arrested and sentenced to six months but only had to serve three and was out in May. Mm, Cool. Um... 
Scooter had been out of jail for a few days when he thought he was due a party. And Scooter's ideal party included women, nude bars, and motorcycles. Nude bars? Yeah. A strip club? A strip club. Ooh, a strip club. Gotta love them strip clubs. Don't leave your purse in the bathroom. Hashtag it'll get stolen. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Is that from any hashtag personal experience, Sarah? Maybe. People make mistakes. On May 15th, 2007. That's my dad's birthday. Okay. Uh, Scooter <laughs> went to a nude bar, strip club. Strip club. Called The Brass Flamingo. Oh, The I Brass know. Flamingo. That's a name. Okay. In Florida. And he was just spending time there with a couple friends. He was primarily hanging out with a couple um, named The Bind Shadows. Scooter received a text message that grabbed his attention. He told the couple he was taken off, but they were more than welcome to take the party to his house. The couple went to a gas station, a 7-Eleven. Scooter went inside, bought some cigarettes. The couple stayed outside on their motorcycle. He came out, jumped on his motorcycle, and they took off back to his house. At the house, Scooter and his friends met up with the woman he was texting. They knew her as Sunny Day. Her real name was Amanda Laug. Amanda Laug got pregnant in high school. She dropped out her senior year. Her mom died when she was only 19. And Mm. after her mom died, she had a rough go of it. She started getting heavy into drugs. She stopped spending so much time with her daughter. She left her in the hands of her biological father, which was the better setting for her at that time. Yeah. Well, she got arrested. And she met a police officer named Lamont Laug. Lamont told Amanda she could do more. She could be more. And she just needed to get her life together. Yeah. After being released, they started dating. Amanda worked hard to get her life together. She spent a lot of time becoming sober. She started being more of a mother to her daughter. And Lamont just wanted the best for her. Yeah. Uh, He asked her what her dream was. I think it's to get married because of what her last name is later. That is not her dream. They they get married, but that's not her dream. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so she has dreams above marriage. Good for her. She does. Her job, her job her goal was to get a job as a model heck yeah get it girl he supported her dream he got her a photographer to take her headshots Mm. she got her photo out there and she started getting more and more modeling jobs lamont got injured while at work and he had to retire as a police officer so their sole income was amanda's modeling i see where this is going yes to make more money she started taking more risque photos Mm -hmm. risque photos progressed to pornography her stage name was Sunny Day. It all started as girl-on-girl films, but then she learned she could make more money working with men. Her husband preferred that she keep her work life separate from him so he didn't have to know what was going on, and she agreed to do so. Okay. He knew what she did. He didn't want to know the details. Okay. At a certain point, she didn't want to be a porn star anymore, and she told him she wanted to quit. He told her, I want you to quit too, but we literally have no other source of income yeah. as his disability hadn't kicked in yet. Mm. So she had to continue. That's such a shitty situation. I could go on and on about. Let's. Yep. And, yep. Okay. So Amanda had to fly to New York to shoot a new film and her co-star's name was Jason Andrews. Jason had a British accent. He told Amanda he was born in Britain and grew up in Israel, and the two got along really well. All right. Um, The film they were starring in was about a woman who went shopping and came home to show her boyfriend her new wardrobe. Ooh. And then, you know. It's my dream. Proceeded to sex the time. Amanda said that the chemistry between them was real, and she'd never had that before with any of her other co-stars. In fact, the spark between them was something she had never experienced with anyone before. Uh-oh. So the co-stars began having sex off-screen. They started banging in real life. IRL. IRL. And after filming, they both went back to their respective states. Mm-hmm. So for Jason, that was Illinois. For Amanda, that was Georgia. They continued to text and email every single day. Her husband was completely ignorant of the affair. He ended up receiving his disability, and he told Amanda, like, look, I got the money. You can quit your job. You don't have to do this anymore. I know you weren't happy, and she no longer wanted to quit. Yeah, I was going to say, suddenly, she's probably not so gung-ho on quitting. Nope, she started taking more and more jobs with a specific individual. Mm-hmm. Guess his name. I forgot it already. Jason Jason something. Andrews. Andrews. Killing it. Sorry, I was like, it's Jason. Yeah. It's Jason something, then something basic. 
Well, one day her husband came home and Jason was helping Amanda move everything out of their home that they shared together. Yikes on bikes. Um, Jason threatened Lamont's life and Lamont pulled a gun out on him. The cops came and arrested Jason for starting the disturbance and was ordered by the judge to stay out of the county. Now, just because he wasn't allowed to re-enter the county didn't mm-hmm. mean that they weren't going to have a fucking relationship. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not yeah. how it works. Yeah, no, sure does not. Well, one evening while Lamont was at home, Amanda took her daughter, dropped her off at her dad's house, and took off to be with Jason. The couple moved to Florida. Okay. And they lived very much in the moment together. Um, Amanda got back on drugs. The couple were still doing films. Okay. But they weren't making enough. They were partying constantly. So Amanda had to pick up a side job as an erotic masseuse to fund their lifestyle. She would basically get naked and get on top of them to give them massages. With their feet? No. With, with just her body? Like she was just, just naked. Just slipping on, and sliding? Yeah. On oh. top of them. Okay. I mean, you do you, boo-boo. I guess. I wouldn't Sorry. do that. Apparently, I have no idea what happens at a sexy massage. I just go for real ones where they beat me up. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she did this, too. Some of her photos were very specific in taste. Oh, okay. They were very fetish-related. Okay. Amanda loved her relationship with Jason. They had fun, they talked, and they cared for each other. I had stated that Amanda had fetish photos. Mm Mm-hmm. That was her thing. Yep. Well, Jason expressed his deepest sexual desires to Amanda, and those included rape and murder. But they were in love. It was just his fetish that uh, he had. <laughs> that, that's not a I fetish. Mean, that's a crime. Listen, CNC there, is a thing. CNC is a thing. Yes, absolutely. This is not what but he's talking rape about. is not CNC. No. CNC is not very this. different. Yes. Um, There's a the big so, part of that word that's consensual. consensual. Yes. Uh, and and, and murder's just a crime. Murder's just a crime. Yeah, murder. That's, we can't, I mean, yes, that might be your fetish, but you can't do it. You can BDS them out there all day, bro. Yeah. Um, but don't, don't like actually kill tell someone. your wife that, or your girlfriend, sorry. Don't tell your girlfriend that your kink is rape and murder. Yeah. Well, let's go. I won't yuck your yum, but that's a crime. Let's get back crime. to the night with Scooter. Just stop saying crime now. <laughs> I know with the weirdest fucking voices. I know. Okay. Oh, God. Do you think my so, parents know how weird I am? I don't know. We're talking about CNC, so. And we know what it Do is. Do not Google that. <laughs> Do not Google that, parents. No. No. Okay. We're going to delete this part out. But no, we're hashtag not. Hashtag love it. Um, Amanda. A.K.A. Sunny Day, mm-hmm. met up with Scooter and his friends, the couple. Yep. All of them, it was a sex party, so they all had sex in the hot tub together. Got it. Understood. Um, and they partied together until around 5 a.m. The couple mentioned that Amanda had been on her phone the entire time they were all together. While she was having sex with Scooter, the woman said it was weird that she was texting behind his back while having sex with him. The couple left, and Amanda stayed to give Scooter a massage. Okay. Okay. I'm going to jump again. The next day, Scooter's cousin went to Scooter's house and walked into a horrifying scene. Face down on the massage table was Scooter. Body covered in multiple stab wounds and his head was caved in. Oh my God. Scooter's cousin instantly called the police who came and started an investigation right away. Next to the massage table was a laundry basket that contained his phone as well as a sledgehammer and two knives that were quickly identified as the murder weapons. Oh my god. Yeah. Items missing from Scooter's house included a laptop, $6,000 in cash, his credit cards, and pills. So the police tracked Scooter's movements and saw him at the 7-Eleven the night before. Mm Mm-hmm. Cops were actually at the store at the exact same time and confirmed that he came in and he wasn't alone. That tracks. They were able to track down the couple that had been with him that night and ask them questions. And they came in, they were interviewed, and they were able to tell them about Sunny Day, who they knew his real name was Amanda, but they mm-hmm. only knew her as really Sunny Day. Sure. And that she was in porn films. Pine. Yes. So they told the police that they had left and left 
Scooter alone with Sonny. The police went through Scooter's phone and found text messages from a number that was believed to have been Amanda, but were actually being sent from Jason Andrews' phone that were saying, hey, honey, I'm free now. So they found out the name Jason Andrews. Yep. And they actually were able to see that Jason Andrews had recently been brought into the Pinellas County Jail on retail theft charges with Amanda. Classy couple. Yep. The police investigated Amanda first, who said she did have sex with Scooter in the hot tub. She gave him a massage, and then she left around dawn. Jason stated he had no idea that the person Amanda had massaged had died, and he wasn't sure why they were asking him. The police had no hard evidence to hold either of them, so they paid their bond and left. With the little evidence they did have, they were able to get warrants for Amanda's car. Inside her car included both of their Blackberries. Now, the Blackberries were missing the SIM cards and the batteries. Of course they were. Remember when you could take batteries out of phones? Sure do. <laughs> that was so crazy. It was. You could go replace your battery. Yeah, that's all you had to replace. And then yeah. the phone was good as new again. Fucking crazy. So. Capitalism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't stay on topic to save my fucking life. I need to start taking my Ritalin before we record. That would be a good idea for both of us. <laughs> to stay on but fucking also, topic? Yeah. I mean, literally, that might just be a good idea. Yeah, probably is. I can still go right to bed afterwards. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about me, but we'll figure it out. Anyways, okay. So, eventually, the police got DNA test results back from the murder weapons, mm-hmm. and the DNA matched Jason Andrews. Oh. So, they had enough evidence now to go arrest them. Uh, yeah. But the address that they provided on their police documentation was for the motel that they were staying at as they didn't have permanent residence. So when the police went there, which it was only a couple days later, Mm -hmm. but when the police went there, they had obviously already checked out and were gone. Yeah. What they were both kind of shocked to hear is that they were informed by motel employees that they did not leave together. Oh yeah. So, um, the police found Amanda's address from Georgia and found that she had actually gone back home with her husband. Two days after the murder, Amanda called Lamont, told him she made a mistake and she wanted to come home. He went and picked her up from Florida and drove her back home. When she got home, she said to him that she saw Jason kill a man. She stated Jason waited in the Explorer while Amanda was in with Scooter, stated he came in with a hammer thing and hit him in the head multiple times and then stabbed him multiple times. She said he grabbed her by the hair and forced her to look at the damage he had caused, threatening her life. Yikes. While relaying this information, her husband just held her. Lamont encouraged Amanda to tell the police everything she had told him. So she did. She even admitted she looked into the camera at the store where she was shoplifting and purposely put the shorts in her purse in front of the camera so that she would be arrested because she was scared of Jason Andrews. Ah. With this information, police put out an APB on Jason. Now, originally, they believed her story. It all sounded extremely probable. She was in fear. She put the jeans in the purse. She made eye contact. You can watch the CTV of her putting, looking at the camera and putting the jeans in her purse. Yeah. Okay. But then the text messages were recovered from her phone. They were saved on the device, not on the SIM card. And these text messages were fucking damning and shocking. No. Are you, do you have them? Are you going to read them to me? A couple. Oh, my God. Okay. For future reference, if you ever want to read me an entire fucking text combo, I'd die. I'd love it. I love it, too. But they also have terrible grammar and spelling. They use text text talk. Like, not text to talk. Yeah, Text no. talk. Well, here we go. Okay. So, there were messages from Amanda to Jason stating... God, I want to fuck you after we kill him. Which, based on the timing, was sent at the same time Amanda was having sex with Scooter. Yep. Messages from Jason to Amanda told her he was happy she was committed to this take and to keep an eye out for a knife, etc. for him to use. Jason texted, Just get him on his face, either bash or tell me to get in and where to go. 
Amanda responded, K, I'm horny. I'm getting him to play music. Jason's response to that was, wicked. I'll be waiting. Really, period, take, period, your, period, time, period. What? Yep. Yep. So, she wasn't um, a victim. Nope. She was very She doesn't sound like it, honey. Nope. So, in mid-June, police got a call from a woman who stated she saw Jason Andrews on the news and realized it was her new boyfriend. New boyfriend. So, he's still out there just like... This is why I'm single, mom and dad. This is why I'm single. These are the people that are dating. Right? I'm going to tell my therapist the story. She immediately... (laughs) So she immediately called the police. Mm -hmm. Within hours, Jason Andrews was arrested. As soon as he was picked up, he had a lot of shit to say. He said first, I'm not really British. But instead, grew up in Kansas. Aw, dumb. He was married, but after his divorce, he moved to Chicago to reinvent himself. He admitted... Don't we all? Go to Chicago to reinvent ourselves? No, I, I didn't. I don't... I moved to Texas. Well, I did. Um, I thought everyone did. Admitted he came into the home while Amanda gave the massage and immediately hit Scooter over the head more than a dozen times. He stated after the first time he hit Scooter, Scooter began to twitch, so Jason kept hitting him. Until he could see the hammer disappearing into the (gasps) back of his skull. He then stated he started stabbing Scooter over and over again. Jason stated he was ready to face his punishment and knew he deserved to be executed for his crimes. We both had people who were like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to die. What the fuck? This is crazy. He said Amanda did not murder Scooter, but she was not innocent in the crimes. She, he stated she picked the victim, she picked Scooter, and How decided did, to meet up with him. Do you know why she picked Scooter? I don't. Wow. I don't know that. That's so fucking crazy. He confirmed their motive was partially so that they could rob him, but it was more about the act of killing. And Amanda enjoyed it as well. Both Amanda and Jason spent over a year in prison before their cases were supposed to go to trial. Mm-hmm. To avoid the death penalty, because they're in Florida... They both took plea deals. Jason Andrews pleaded guilty to first-degree murder with life in prison without the possibility of parole. And Amanda Laug followed the advice of her lawyer and pled guilty to second-degree murder with a sentence of 40 years. How was it second? She was literally fucking planning it. She was having sex and texting about killing him. I'd say that's premeditated. Not just something that happened. Yeah. Her husband, the previous, the mm-hmm. you know... The retired police Lamont. officer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the retired police officer stays by her side. He believes wow. and hopes that one day when she's released from prison, they'll be able to be a family again. Um, Amanda's daughter is safe with her biological father. Good. Oh, my God. Wow. Porn star killers. That is fucking bananas. Were you ready for that? No. When you first said porn star killers, I was like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah. And then it just blows your fucking mind when you hear how twisted these two fucks were. Yeah. Like, they are twisted individuals. I can't believe they found each other. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to go get a drink and come back? 1,000%. All right. So one of our listeners had requested that we do more Harry Potter trivia. Thanks, Rachel. So we will be doing that today. All right. You want to ask me first? Yes. Okay. This is for Chamber of Secrets. At school, when Harry's room is ransacked, which item is stolen? Tom Riddle's diary. Yes. Okay. What appears from beneath the water in the cave to help Harry and Dumbledore cross the lake? A big chain that's attached to a boat. Yes, a boat. Okay. I was like, there was a chain first. <laughs> yes, but it was a boat that yes. got them across. Yep. Yes. You did it. I Yay! did it. Woohoo! Okay, this is from Goblet of Fire. What does Peter Pettigrew do with Harry Potter's blood in the graveyard? He puts it in the flame, doesn't he? In For the, the cauldron. Yeah, in the, yeah. the brew. Yeah, to bring Voldemort back. To potion. 
Philosopher's Stone. Oh, the Philosopher's Stone. Who received 50 points for Gryffindor at the end of the uh, term feast? Neville. 50 points. Oh, Harry? No. Ron Weasley. Why? The best game of chess that anyone has ever seen here at Hogwarts. Oh, I was thinking, yes, I was just thinking Neville. Standing up to your friends. Because it's harder than standing up to your enemies. Yeah. Whatever. I thought that was going to be an easy one. No. Do you want me to pick a different one there? No, it's fine. Okay, because there's a really easy one. I just figured it was I mean, say it anyway. Okay. Who gives Harry a photo album that contains pictures of his parents in the first movie? Hagrid. Yes. How cute. Okay, we're still on Goblet of Fire. Who places their own hand inside the cauldron in the graveyard? Peter Pettigrew. Yes. Why do Harry and Ron place the sleeping drought inside in order to get crab and goil to drink it? To eat it. Dessert. Pasties. Cakes. Cakes. Sure. But yeah, food. But yeah, food. It would work for me. Same. I mean, if it was floating in front of me, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, well, that's awfully convenient. It's a little sus. <laughs> Who did Tom Riddle accuse of opening the Chamber of Secrets when they were a student at Hogwarts? Hagrid. Yes. Who asks Harry about the first time he visited his office in Hogwarts in order to verify his identity? Gilderoy Lockhart. No. To verify his identity? Remus. Oh, that's who I meant. Uh-huh. I was thinking him in my head you and picturing... I just spit out Lockhart's name. Yes, Remus. Oh you even looked God. at me like, you're wrong. Why are you lying to me? And I'm like, I'm I was. Not. I was like, no, I will put that movie on right now. <laughs> it's the werewolf man. Yes. Gilderoy we... Lockhart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's late. Okay. It's not. We're just getting old. Shh. It is late. Okay. It is 9.43. Okay. Who catches Draco Malfoy crying in the boys' bathroom at Hogwarts? It's not Harry, is it? It's Harry? Yeah. That's when he does Sectum Sempra on him. Oh, yes. I and forgot he... to tell you what movie we yeah, were in. Yeah, and it's Sorry. when Snape has to come in and, yep, okay. Yep. All right. Deathly Hollows part one, one right? Yeah. Uh, which wizard made the Deluminator? Made the Deluminator? Mm-hmm. One of the um, Peverells? Professor Dumbledore. Oh, duh. I knew that. I I know. It's of his own invention. (sighs) (laughs) You know how much I hate losing. Yes, I know. In Harry's potions book, the words for enemies is written beside which spell? The one you just said. And I can't remember what it's called. And you just said it. Uh Uh-huh. The fuck is it? Sectum Sempra. Which two members of the Weasley family wait at the burrow of the Order of the Phoenix to arrive after rescuing Harry from Privet Drive? Um, Bill? No, the dad. No, what? Arthur's not there? Molly. Ginny. Yeah, they weren't allowed to go for Molly sure. Molly and Ginny. Which spell is used to make items levitate? Leviosa. Wingardium Leviosa. There you go. Needed the whole thing. Goblet of Fire. Got it. Who stole the ingredients from Professor Snape in order to make the Polyjuice Potion? Uh, Mad-Eye Moody. Yes, but who made himself Mad-Eye Moody? Barty Crouch Jr. Yes. When attempting to levitate a feather, which student causes an explosion? <laughs> the same one who makes everything blow the fuck up. Um, <laughs> what's his name right now? Re- no, not Remus. Um, <laughs> I'm like, Remus! No. It's Remus for everything. No, um, I can see him. I can see him in my head. He's one of my favorites just because he blows everything up. Everything up. Turn this water into rum. Oil of rabbit. Yeah. Hot string hum. Turn this rabbit into rum. I can't think of it. Seamus Finnegan. Seamus. Seamus. Harry Potter saves Ron Weasley and whose sister from the bottom of the lake? Fleurs. Mm-hmm. Fleur. Fleur de la Fleur. In order to extract his memories and place them in the pensive, what does Professor Dumbledore use? His wand. Yes. Okay, I thought you were going to ask me the spell, and I was like, No. I've never heard it. 
Hagrid tells Dumbledore that Harry is not the person responsible for the attack on which student? Which movie? This is Chamber of Secrets. Colin Creevy? No. I mean, I'm just listing people. Although we're petrified? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Justin Finch Fletchy. Finch Fletchley? Fletchley. Finch Fletchley. So a tertiary character. Yeah, someone who meant nothing to any of us. Great. Sorry, Justin. Which of the Triwizard Tournament tasks takes place in the Hogwarts maze? They have to get the cup, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called. It's just the third task. That's all it wants. It wanted which the number. Task. Yeah, oh, just well, which task takes I, place well, in the, the maze. Well, the number three, because the first one's the dragon, the yeah. second one's the water, and the third one's the maze. Yeah. Got to battle all the elements. All of them. Okay. Yep. This is from Order of the Phoenix. Oot. Neville Longbottom finds a glass orb with whose name on it? Harry's. Yes. Oh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Sorry. They're so little. Yeah, they are. I know. The I text thought... is tiny. Okay. So, um, POA. Who wonders what their hair looks like from the back as they watch their earlier self? Hermione. Yeah. What does Professor Umbridge do to Harry when he denies he is going to see Dumbledore? Tells him he's lying. And that then what does when she, she do? punishes him with detention and makes him write, I must not tell lies. Not that. She slaps him. Oh. I forgot. There was abuse to a student, Samantha. Yeah, I just blocked that out. That wasn't real. No, I just pretend. Yeah, just pretend. The whole movie was real, except for that one part. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that one part was the part that wasn't Just real. The rest okay. of it, totally real. I'm getting my letter any day now. Checks out. My birthday is so soon. Professor Lupin is listening to what when Harry comes to see him at the end of term? I don't know. A record player. That's literally all it wants. Yes. Sometimes it wants something wildly specific, and sometimes it's just like a lake. I would have been able to tell you a record player. I remember watching him pick up the thing with his magic to Mm -hmm. pull it off. It is alleged that Lord Voldemort is afraid of which wizard? Dumbledore. Yes. But that's the only one. Otherwise, he's like not afraid of anybody, guys. Okay. This is from Deathly Hallows PT1. Ooh, Hermione's book titled The Tales of Beetle the Bard include a story that tells the tale of the Deathly Hallows. What is the name of the story? Oh my god. And now it gets real specific. What's the book called again? The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Yeah. It's the brothers. The What's it called? You're so close. I know it's the brothers that it has. To, it has that in there, but mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. The tale of three the brothers. Yep. Jesus Christ. All right. In the defense against the dark arts class, what form does Neville Longbottom's Bogart take? A Bogart, Professor Bogart, Snape. Yeah. Maybe. No, you're fine. I think people say it different ways for sure. But you are correct. It is Snape. Yep. Because then the funny bogger is Snape all dressed up. And is his grandma? Oh, no. no that's the, that's the, the spiders in roller skates. But with, like, the big hat and the purse and dressed up like his grandma. Yeah. What is used to reveal the secret? Bailey. <laughs> 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 the secret? <laughs> What's the secret? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm not cutting that. No, it's the best. No. All right. What is used to reveal the secret passageways out of Hogwarts? I don't know. Yes, you do. Prisoner of Azkaban. What is used (laughs) to view the tunnels out of the school? Why? I have one. How do you figure out where to go? A map? Oh, moderate, martyr. <laughs> the martyr's map. <laughs> That's right, everyone. The martyr's map. That's it. <laughs> Why did we play this game? Well, Rachel asked, and we said, we'd love to embarrass ourselves. Thank you. 
How many of Ron Weasley's brothers are students at Hogwarts during Harry's first year? Three. Yes. What does Professor Trelawney see inside Harry Potter's teacup? The dog, but what does she call it? (laughs) I was like, I swear to God, if you just say, the dog. (laughs) No, I know she calls it something. The Grim. The Grim. Good God. I'm like, it's a dog. It's a plane. It's a puppy, guys. And this is the Goblet of Fire. The killing curse causes streams of light to be emitted by a wand. What color are they? Green. Yes. Which of the Death Eaters is ordered to identify Harry Potter at Malfoy Manor? This is Deathly Hallows it's Draco. Part 1. Yes. Um, who plays Harry Potter's name in the Goblet of Fire? Um, Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah. A.K.A. Mad-Eye Moody. Yep. Which of the Deathly Hallows does Lord Voldemort most desperately want? The Elder Wand. Yes. After he dies, where do Harry and Dumbledore meet where Harry says, King's Cross. Yes. Only cleaner and without all the trains. King's Cross. (laughs) Rude. Finish my sentence, ma'am. In the tale of the three brothers, who blocks the bridge preventing the brothers from crossing the river? Um, a troll. Sarah. <laughs> a troll. I was going for funny. I don't know. Yeah, that it worked. Um, <laughs> death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot handle you. Okay. Um, all right. Sorry. Who says they hope that Hermione Granger dies? The Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, Lucius? Draco. Draco. Oh, yeah. After Harry hands the prophecy to Lucius Malfoy, what does Sirius Black do? He, doesn't he just push him back? He punches him in the face. Oh. Punches Lucius in the face. (laughs) That's even better. Okay, this is Order of the Phoenix as well. What spell does Ginny use to knock the orbs from the shelves in the Hall of Prophecy? Bombardum? Bombarda? Reducto. Oh, god damn it. That's what I answered last time. I've had that question before. Oh, really? Yes, because I remember getting Reducto wrong and being really pissed. That is what she says. I just didn't remember. Which group turns up surrounded by a cloud of smoke to fight the Death Eaters at the Ministry of Magic? Oh, Lord of the Phoenix. All right. Sirius Black <laughs> is killed during the battle at the Ministry of Magic by who? <laughs> Bellatrix the Strange. Okay, okay, okay. Which okay. of the unforgivable curses is used to kill Sirius Black? Vaticadavra. Wow. <laughs> yes, I really knew that you had those. Those were a little It was too about Sirius dying. I was He's like, he's my favorite. I know. I love him so much. I know. <sighs> he's just so sweet. Yeah. Such a good guy. Okay, anyways. What type of creature is Fox? The phoenix? Yep. Fox uses what to save Harry after Tears. he's... Okay. The sword of Gryffindor is engraved with whose name? Godric Gryffindor. Who is Dobby's owner? Lucius Malfoy. Yes. Wow. Those were hard. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Chamber of Secrets. Dumbledore sends which item to Harry whilst he is inside the Chamber of Secrets? The sword. Or f- actually, Fox, the, the phoenix. No. He sends him the, the, sorting, sw- the hat. sorting hat that has Gryffindor sword I in it. Know! Uh, and it's being carried by the phoenix. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? That was all correct. Thank you. Come again, game. Yeah. You're not welcome here anymore. Oh, the second question on the same card. So, the first question was Dumbledore sends which item? And it's the sorting hat. The next question is, what's inside the sorting cat? The sword of Gryffindor appears inside which item? Hey, a sorting cat. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Sucker. Oh my God. Okay. Who turns invisible but is caught when other wizards spot the footprints in the snow? Harry. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that idiot never prepares the right way. Why did Lord Voldemort change his name? Oh, I remember the scene when he talks about it. I don't remember. 
Why he did it though? Because his father was a muggle. Oh, little bitch. <laughs> All right. BJ's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so BJ is sitting outside right now. He's waiting for us to be done, and he just sent us the Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Like frozen meme. outside meme, and just says, "This is how you're gonna find me." <laughs> oh. All right. With that in mind, we're um, gonna be done for the night. Yeah, just a quick little few Harry Potter questions. Any recommendations? We'll take them and put them in our show. Yeah. T- tune in like it's a goddamn radio show. <laughs> Listen in. Make sure to catch all of our February episodes to continue the series of Couples Who Kill. We'll see you next week. Now a message from our biggest supporter and our smallest fan, my little man. Take it away, Jack. Thank you for listening to Cheryl and Samantha. Like and subscribe. Please join a five-star review. Thank you. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Doom Crew Podcast. We now have a Patreon. You can find us as The Doom Crew Podcast. We have three different levels. All right. For $1 per month, you can participate on the manslaughter level. And at that level, you get to participate in polls that help determine future content. We also have level two which is $3 per month, and that's our second degree murder level. So you're going to get to participate in those polls still, but you can also ask us personal questions that we answer on air, and we will read your name out loud on our podcast. Level three is $5 a month. That is our first degree murder level. On top of all of the incredible benefits I already told you, you'll get to join us for a monthly Zoom call. We appreciate all of your support on all of our platforms. Thank you so, so much for listening.